letterpress printing is is kind of the pinnacle, or at least that's what I thought of it as. Like if I could get something letterpress printed, that would be amazing, you know? to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right, Evan, I hit that record button. So whatever we say now is going to be recorded. Ha, huh? just kidding. <laughs> but why don't you, so first off, what I know about you guys is you started a company called Hoban Cards in about 2011, mm-hmm. a letterpress company. I have questions, but I'd like yes. to hear a little bit about you before we start picking your picking your part about letterpress. Yeah, What's I grew story? up in... Yeah, I grew up in Centralia, Washington, um, and I'm still in the area here. But yeah, my wife and I met um, here. She also grew up here. And um, we went to school here. We went to a ministry school here, actually, as well, and kind of met together at that time. And um, we had a daughter, and um, I kind of grew up with a background um, being interested in, in like digital artwork and graphic design eventually kind of got interested into um, software development and things like that and taught myself um, a lot about that. And my first job was kind of making websites for people, for small businesses in the area. Um, (laughs) And then I eventually got a job um, at the county here, Lewis County, doing software development. Um, And that's kind of what led me into sort of moonlighting um, with letterpress printing. Well, I think, okay, there's got to be a connection. So here you are. Yeah. You're a, you're a computer guy, if you will. You're, you're website, mm-hmm. tech and all this stuff. And now what was the, how did you connect to letterpress? I mean, that's old school. <laughs> there's nothing modern about it. So what drew you to that? Yeah. So when I first got into computers, um, I was um, sort of dinking around with Photoshop way back in the day when you could like pirate it, you know, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I think so many people in my generation, my age group, that's how they started being interested in things like that is they, you know, we were able to get our hands on these free copies, free in quotation copies. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was always interested in graphic design. And I think in, when you're in that space, um, I also was exposed to, um, you know, software development and coding and kind of dipping my toes into that world. Um, and I eventually did some some stuff in school um, and learned a little bit more about it, took some classes at Evergreen State College. Um, okay. And um, and just most of it I taught myself. But um, so, yeah, I think I, I kind of got interested in letterpress printing because of that graphic design world. And within the graphic design wor- world, print print design is something that's kind of special. Um, at least it was to me because all of the graphic design work that I had been doing was all digital, right? It's all web work. Mm -hmm. It's all things that you're making digitally for folks. But if you could get something printed that you had designed, it was kind of special because it was expensive, um, (laughs) relative to getting something, you know, on the web or whatever. Um, and in that print world, letterpress printing is, is kind of the pinnacle or at least that's what I thought of it as. Like if I could get something letterpress printed, that would be amazing, you know? Um, because it's a very, like, it's very like, um, kind of like, a um, a high quality sort of hands-on 
Um, and you can you can always tell if something's letterpress printed by the impression it makes into the paper. So that's kind of how I got interested in it. And I and I actually wanted my own letterpress printed cards for my business. And okay. I didn't know how how they were produced. I didn't know how to find a company that did that. So I basically just started nerding out like I do on everything. And, um, you know, just spending a lot of time figuring out how these things were made. And I found that, you know, there wasn't a lot of businesses around the area that still letterpress printed. It wasn't the 1950s anymore, you know. Um, so I eventually just just got so interested that I wanted to purchase my own letterpress. And that's that's kind of how I got into it. So letterpresses, they're small, they're portable, they're light, you can carry them <laughs> around. I mean, you have to have, you know, what's a, what? So you have three presses now, correct? On in the website, your website says you have three presses. Is that still accurate? Yeah, yeah, okay. we have four now. We have four now. Oh, four. Yep. So your original press that you bought is it one of the presses that you still have? Yeah. Yep. Okay. How much did that thing weigh? Yeah. So <laughs> it, it weighs about fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah. See? Um, it's completely cast iron. Um, not a very mobile or practical piece of business equipment. Um, you didn't lug it up the stairs to your apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing is though, that there's a kind of a, kind of a fun story, how I found it. Um, you know, as you can imagine tracking one of these things down after you've done all the research, it's a little bit difficult. There's not like a Kinko's you can walk into and just purchase a, purchase a 1902 letterpress. Um, (sighs) So there's a lot of Craigslist searching, a lot of internet searching, there's forums specifically dedicated to letterpress printing online where you can find these, these machines. But what I decided to do was send an email out to all the print shops I could find on Google from Seattle to Portland, because we're right in the middle, right in the middle of the two cities, basically saying, I didn't mention the word letterpress because I didn't want to tip my, uh, tip my cap, but I was... I was kind of saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm getting into printing. If you have any old printing equipment laying around, I'd love to just, you know, you know, pay some money for it or come get it off your hands for free. Um, I must have sent off um, probably more than a dozen emails, maybe up, up to 20 or so. Uh, the only place that got back to me was a little print shop in my hometown, Centralia. Um, uh, a, a woman named Linda was basically, yeah, we've got we've got something down here. You should come take a look at it. I went down there and it was exactly what I was looking for. It was a, it was this, this press we're talking about from 1902. We're just sitting there gathering dust. It probably hadn't been used since the forties or fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to, and you mentioned lugging it up the, um, <laughs> the stairs. I actually had to get oh. it up a, a, um, a ramp, a super steep ramp in order to get it out of the basement of this place. Um, so that it was just wild. We had to take it apart. We had to use like a, um, engine hoist. We had to use a, like a come along to, 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 to get the engine hoist up the ramp. And yeah, we almost killed ourselves getting it. But, um, with the help of some friends, I, I was able to get it, refurbish it, kind of clean it up and put it back together. Did they charge you for the press? Yeah, I paid, I paid her some money for it. Yeah, okay. it was, right. you know, so, I think it was a good deal for both of us, I think. I'm I'm sure. Awesome. So you're, you've got a, your original press was from 1902. So mm-hmm. at the time of this, that's 119 years old when you think <laughs> yeah. about it. Right. And you're yeah. and it's, is it something you use regularly? Yeah. Yeah. We still use that press regularly. We, uh, that's cool. yeah, yeah. It's a workhorse. That's a really, I mean, think about that. I mean, 119 years old and you're still 
it's still functioning. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy how they're constructed because, you know, you hear the saying, they don't make things like they used to. It's so true when you see one of these machines, cause they're all, they're all cast iron. Um, and they're, I mean, they're relatively simple, but everything on them is heavy and just, you know, in, in the, the sound that it makes when it run is run is just so cool. You can tell it's just, you know, hefty and well-constructed. It's really, it's really nice. 119 years old. Parts are abundant. You can just go on Amazon, have whatever part you need prime delivered in two days. <laughs> how does, how does one maintain? I mean, cause there's wear parts on these things, right? I mean, yeah, there I mean, are. they require maintenance. Sure. How do you, how do you source supplies? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. You, if you break a part that you can't find, you either have to find somebody to, to cast the part again for you, which is obviously not cheap. Um, there are, you know, vendors throughout the country who specialize in, in sort of new old stock or just refurbished parts okay. for these things, but they're going away. I mean, it's harder and harder to find these things. Sometimes you can get parts on Craigslist if you're lucky. Um, but for the most part, these, these things are so well made. If you, if you just keep them oiled mm-hmm. and, and just maintained well, pretty much the maintenance is oiling and, and just keeping them kind of clean, then you're good to go unless you drop them off a truck during moving them, which happens a lot. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're pretty much good to go. All right. So you have four presses now, mm-hmm. which takes me to the question of you started this as a side hustle. How's that? Yeah. Call it a side hustle. Yep. What was the first thing you printed with the, with your press? What did you, what did you start with? Yeah. So I started with, um, using some, some old lead movable type, they call it. Um, I don't know if, if folks are familiar with it, but they're individual lead, lead letters that, um, back in the day, that's how they, they, they would compose newspapers or posters or anything that they're printing with these presses is that they had to use what's called a composing stick to to put all this lead type and set it all, you know. And then what mm-hmm. they do, they they'd send it through a proof press, which is sort of a sort of a flat press. They would just quickly um, ink it, and the proofers would go through and make the proof marks on on the uh, the newspaper, or whatever they're proofing. And then somebody would go through with tweezers and basically take out these tiny little letters that were, that needed to be corrected or punctuation that needed to be added. Um, and then they'd proof them again and send it back to the proof press. And then they'd finally go to the final printing process. But the first thing I, pr- I printed was with this lead type because I got some with the press um, just to, just to kind of start getting used to how to print. And that was a lot of fun because you got, you not only learned how to print, but you learned how to, how to sort of compose these letters um, and I think I ended up printing like a, just kind of a makeshift business card for myself with my name on it and stuff. That was the first thing I printed. Like, I think I told you when we talked before the recording button on the phone that a buddy of mine has a letterpress down in California. And yeah, every now and then I get these calls from, I just found some type, you know, he's all, he's all geeked out mm-hmm. about finding type, you know, and he just buys everything he can get his hands on and I'll find a use for it. I do, which I think is awesome. I'm not making fun of him. I just think it's, <laughs> it's awesome. And then he, yeah. he exposed me to the, the hatch prints, the hatch show. Yeah. Hatch show. Print those, and- those are cool. I mean, those are, those are really, I think pretty cool. And um, yeah. Yeah. I got to go in tour hatch show print, which is, um, one of the oldest poster printing 
shops in the country. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. It's currently located in like the um, country music sort of Hall of Fame building there in, in Nashville, but um, previously had its own sort of really cool building right on Broadway there in Nashville. Um, and I got to go do kind of a, a, a tour because my um, one um, Claire, my one of my employees, um, had done some interning and schooling with the lady who runs Hat Show Print. And oh, wow. I got to, I got to name drop when I was there visiting and she took me behind and uh, gave me some, gave me a tour of the place. It was really cool. That's, that's cool. I, I yeah. think that's cool. And for those so people sh- who, who don't know what Hatch Show Print is, it's a, it's a, they've, they've printed show posters for concerts, you know, yeah, for, forever, you know, for ever since famous names, it. you know, Elvis yep. cash, you know, yeah. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. Anything you can think cool. of. Yep. Yeah. So it started as a side hustle and now you got three people working for you and I'm just going to just, I've got questions about your two employees. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben, I'm reading his, I'm reading his bio. So it's public. <laughs> so I'm reading what it says. Ben sure. is a Washington state native. He lives in Centralia with his wife and four children. And this is the part I enjoy. Ben enjoys playing guitar, beard maintenance, drinking <laughs> of the Holy bean and cooking for his family. <laughs> yes. I love this. And then when he's not letterpress printing, he has an odd obsession watching Starcraft too. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like an interesting human being. Yeah. Ben's awesome. Ben's a, Ben's a <laughs> great human being. Yeah. We, right. we have a lot of history together. He's been one of my best friends for years and he happened to be able to come and work for me too. And we just That's have cool. a ball, a ball in the shop and he, yeah, we, we have little quirks and things that we kind of poke fun at each other about. And I was able to write that, that bio for him. And I love that. Okay. So, so the beard maintenance was what I was cracking up, but yeah. Did he have letterpress experience before he started working with you? He didn't know. No, he had some construction experience. He's, he's kind of a meticulous person. So it kind of fell, it it was kind of right down his alley. And um, yeah, we, I kind of taught myself and then I brought on um, him on when I needed some help. And okay. uh, yeah, he, he, he took to it really well. So my other question is about your other uh, person, Claire, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that it's her hands that we see in the video loading <laughs> business cards in. Cause it's got it's a wedding ring and it doesn't look like it'd be yours. Yeah. Is that her? Okay. So the question I have then is, has anyone I'm watching her, you know, she's got this, mm-hmm. she's got this flow going right. Card in card out card in, you know, cool. Yeah. Anyone had their hand? Has anyone ever like, whoops, and got the hand kind of pressed? Um, not, not in our shop yet. There's awesome. been many, many close calls, especially when you're learning how to print, um, because your you, your tendency is to want to rescue a misfed sheet okay. or card. Yeah, I would. And you know, when you start learning how to do it, yeah, it is very much a flow. It's very much like this cadence that you have to get into, because. Because what's happening is this it's sort of like a clamshell of, that's coming open. You have to grab the printed card with one hand and feed the new card with the other hand while it's still open. Um, yeah. And we run the presses at a certain speed that they're, you know, they're printing quickly enough to where we can bust out enough orders to make money. But so right. you can't, it's not like we can just slow them down to like this, this super slow pace. So you have to get, you have to really learn that cadence. And then you also have to learn when it's okay to just toss a card on the ground. Right. 
So, you know, if we're printing 500 cards, uh, we might toss 25 or so on the ground during the print process. Yeah. All right. No, I was just watching and, you know, I was assuming it was her hand. I was just watching this and I was just, I just kept going, wow, this is so synchronized. Yeah. And yeah, that was so anyway, that, so yeah, it can be dangerous. Yeah. We'll come back to your bio when we wrap this up because I have questions. So, okay, cool. What, so you had a job with Lewis County and Mm -hmm. you then ended up opening the shop up. That's, that's very cool. Yeah. And I think I told you when we talked on the phone, some major mailing list when I mean major, like, like a morning, morning brew or something like that Mm -hmm. or wired or something mentioned you guys and they they said if you're looking for these you know hand you know letterpress cards the best business cards it was like they were glowing they didn't say who you were click yeah. here basically and so i go oh i'm actually thinking about business cards and so i clicked on it and i'm like oh this is cool wait a second they're in washington state i want to talk to them so hint, yeah. here we are today yeah i so i think it's awesome that a little shop in Shehalis is getting national exposure yeah yeah so I'm going to pause there because I wanted to go back. I didn't ask you one question. One question I want to know. Sure. Why did you decide on doing business and calling cards? And I mean, why didn't you go posters? I mean, what was the, what was your, how did you develop the business plan? Yeah, the there was, there wasn't a lot of developing of a business plan. <laughs> there was a lot of just, <laughs> just, um, you know, it's kind of how I do things. I just get interested in something. And then because this happened, people happened to, to, be interested in this when I started doing it and posting it on Twitter or, or Instagram. It was probably Twitter back in the day. Um, that's kind of the reason why I continued to do it and make money from it. Initially, it was just it was just a cool thing. It was a hobby. It was something I wanted to do for myself. It's something I wanted to to make pieces of art with or something like that. Um, um, and then and then yeah. So like while I was working doing software development at the county. It's one of those things where it's like you, you look at your job and you're just like, am I, it's one of those, those reckoning parts in your life where am I going to do this the rest of my life? Like, am I just going to sit here in a chair the rest of my, even though I enjoy it, you know, um, working for the government isn't the most expiring work in the world, you know? Um, so that's kind of when I decided to like, oh, this letterpress thing has some legs. People are interested. They think it's cool. I enjoy it. Um, and, um, that's kind of when it kind of went over into a business, but yeah, no business plan. Um, things just started to kind of like naturally and like organically pick up as far as sales go. Um, I had a kind of a community on Twitter. There was, I was involved in like a, you know, I've always been in kind of like the Mac, Mac community among people who, who like Macs and, um, and software surrounding Macs and stuff like that. So I had, I had kind of a built-in community that kind of picked up what I was doing and, and spread the word. So that's kind of how it, how it that's uh, great. started. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So calling cards, business cards. Letter yeah. Station, oh yeah. 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 Let me answer that question. I kind of got off track there, but <laughs> um, yeah. So there are certain types of letter presses that print certain certain materials the type of letter presses that i have don't print posters they're too small they're called job presses so they're meant for for um 
like a lot of quantity rather than a large surface area. There's there's proof presses, which are what um, print the big posters and poster presses. Um, mm-hmm. And those take a big sheet and um, they usually you print with like wood type. If everybody, when I was talking about that movable type, that lead type, there's a version of movable type, which is big, bigger type. And it's usually made out of wood. And that's the, that's the kind of letters that like hatch show print uses to print their big posters with. So basically I got into what I, what I, you know, calling cards and business cards because the, it's just the type of press that I had and the type of press I was interested in at the time. Um, okay. Also, the proof presses, the bigger poster presses are a lot harder to find and they're a lot more expensive. Um, and um, and yeah, and then the business-wise, you're not going to make a lot of money printing posters unless you're, unless you're hat show print. And even that, they are just a, they're not even a for-profit business um, anymore. Okay. They're just a... Um, yeah, they're they're a nonprofit. So, um, so yeah, printing business cards w- is just more it's more profitable as a business. So, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the cards. Yeah. So you've got calling cards, which I'm old enough to kind of remember what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might be something like my grandfather would have had. I mean, so. Yep. So, but calling cards and business cards. Go ahead and let's. I'll ask you. Go ahead and explain those two differences. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of where my like passion lies the most is in calling cards because I love the idea of what a calling card represents historically. Um, we're all familiar with what business cards are. They, they say the business we work for, they have our contact information, they have our name or title and a bunch of other junk we probably don't need on there. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the, the sort of the the idea of a calling card, at least to me, and kind of how we've, we've sort of reintroduced the calling card into the modern times is a card that represents like who you are as a person rather than the business that you work for. So um, right. usually these are just very minimally designed cards. We have, a lot, we have pre-designs so people don't have to you know, design their own. They can pick one of our pre-designed cards to focus on typography. So really good type, really good historical um, typefaces that we use, um, you know, really well thought through kerning and tracking of the letters um, and balance on the card. Um, and, you know, these cards are meant to, to sort of, when they're presented to somebody, make a personal connection with that person rather than being, being like a business front for that person. Mm-hmm. You're introducing you as a person rather than the business. So it's a lot more inviting. It's a lot more personal. Um, it usually has maybe just one or two pieces of contact information on it, um, which kind of makes it feel a little bit more ex- exclusive um, to the person receiving it. Um, and they also kind of feel a little bit more like a little piece of artwork rather than just this piece of paper that you're, you may throw away or something. I mean, we all get business cards. And they seem seem so antiquated now. Like, why would you why would you exchange a business card where you just shoot an email? But these calling cards are something sort of completely different. There's something that's like that's physical, that's nice to touch, and that that people want to keep like forever, basically, to rep- to be reminded of this person. And that kind of harkens back to the the historical context of what a visiting card or a calling card is, 
which was a reminder of a visit to a house, right? You go to somebody's house to visit them. They would have a plate set out maybe in their foyer. And before you leave, you just leave a card. And really, usually all it had was the person's name or their signature on it. And it was just mm-hmm. this nice little reminder that the person was there. I, I think it's really cool. I'm scrolling through these right now and I'm looking at some of these and A, I'm, cha- I'm chuckling because, you know, t- 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 Detective Lester Freeman, Major Crimes Unit, I, you know, that'd be like, <laughs> kind yeah, of, kind of, I, I like the irreverent that you have here for your various cards. <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's really cool. So of the calling cards. Yeah. Which one is the most popular right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> or am I putting you on the spot? No, you're not putting me on the spot. No, I, I know exactly which one's most popular. It's the Patrick Bateman um, or the okay. improved Paul Allen um, templates that we've made. And if you know anything about the movie American Psycho, there's a very famous business card scene in that movie where um, uh, they're inspecting each other's cards. And this just I haven't like, seen very, movies. So I don't know. Oh okay. man. Okay. Yeah. Um, at some point you can just look it up on YouTube. There's okay. kind of this, this ongoing joke in the letterpress printing world where people always reference the scene in, in American psycho where they're inspecting these cards because they're like, you know, just, just like, Oh my gosh, look at these amazing cards. And, <laughs> and they, and, and a couple of them happen to be letterpress printed in the film. And so um, we had so many requests for us to sort of remake those cards that we decided to make those one of the templates that's available on hobancards.com. So they're, they're wildly popular. People love to swap out Patrick Bateman's information for their own. Um, okay. and then have, have one of these cards that look like they're from American psycho. So we, we kind of begrudgingly brought these out because, because as a letterpress printer, it's like a joke that you hear too often. You hear, okay. hear about these American psycho cards too often. But we're, but I but I couldn't resist offering them for sale because well, we we're selling so many of them. So, so I since not since I hadn't seen the movie mm-hmm. and I've never heard the story before, it's a great story. So you might get tired of it hearing it or telling it, but that's a great story. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's fun. It's it's fun for sure. And what's all the your, oh, go ahead, go ahead. What's your favorite calling card for you? Like, if you're going to go print yourself some new calling cards today when we're done, what design yeah. would you grab? I really like the detective. Um, I think okay. that's got, got some nice typography and nice balance to it. Um, there's the trade card, which I really like. Okay. Um, there is, there's a card called the field card, which is, is ultra minimal. It's basically just has your name and your phone number in all lowercase divided by just like a, just a pipe divider just centered on the card. It's super minimal. Um, and yeah, those, those I like quite a bit. Um, yeah. The cool, I was going to mention one thing I was going to mention, the cool, you know, going back to the American psycho thing. One of the things that I did originally was I've designed all of my cards or most of them. I think a couple of them have my own name on them. But all of them have character are designed or templated cards are designed with characters of TV shows or movies that we like. Um, and there's little, oh. Easter, there's little Easter eggs on each of the cards as well. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so it's fun for people who recognize the characters from a show 
um, to, to see that character on them. <laughs> so we, ha- we have fun with that. That's very cool. Yeah. Sorry. I'm having some microphone challenges here. My microphone is acting <laughs> up. Um, well, I'll just do this. Well, since you said Easter egg and all yeah. of this, let's go here. And what would, what I talked to you about beforehand was Hoban cards. How'd yes. you come up with the name? Yeah, Hoban was kind of a, it was a hastily put together name because I needed to put something on my business license. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and at the time I wasn't really thinking that this was going to be a full-time business. Um, um, And so at the time, one of our favorite, and still is one of our favorite television shows is called Firefly. It was was a show on Fox in like the early 2000s that got canceled, you know. One of those shows, outrage. yeah, one of those show, amazing shows that gets canceled prematurely and is beloved and has a kind of a cult following. Um, we were kind of in that camp, and one of the characters on the show is named Wash. Um, they call him Wash in the show, but his real name is Hoban, which is which is um, not mentioned too often, um, and so that's kind of an Easter egg to that show. So I named it uh, Hoban Press. So I think that's cool. I, I love the fact that you wrapped something that's important to you and, you know, that means something to you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's very cool. So. So I'm, I'm on your blog and you're talking historical typefaces and you're, you're talking, you kind of have this reverence for historical stuff it looks like i mean which in letterpress is looking backwards versus looking modern sure but let's ask you moving forward what's what do you think you're going to do with the company what's i mean yeah yeah it's let me ask you this let me put you on the spot if you ever could find a a proof press would you would you start doing poster type stuff bigger format stuff would that be fun I think it would be fun. It would be very fun for me to do. It would just be a matter of if I had the time to do it, you know, it would probably end up being more of a, um, um, I've always wanted to do something where I could bring in, um, young kids and introduce them to this machinery. Um, the, the stuff that we have, isn't the safest stuff to be around because it's got, they have these big flywheels. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like four, you know, three and a half, four feet high flywheels that are just whipping around. So, you know, to have kids in the shop is, isn't super safe with the equipment we have. But if we ever got sign, a, a big sign press or something, it'd be super fun to bring in um, kids and show them how these things are printed because everybody loves it. Everybody loves to, to see the letters and to, um, you know, spell something out that they want printed and crank the, crank the big um, crank over and ink the press and then see their poster come out. Um, I think that'd be super fun. So if I ever did that, it would, it would sort of be in that, that angle rather than sort of a business angle, I think. Okay. And then here I'm reading, you know, you're using photopolymer plates. Yeah. We just talked about using, you know, movable type. That's right. But that's not what you guys are doing then, right? You're using this photopolymer. That's right. Yeah. We use plates. So, so we have unique plates created for every color that we print on a card. Um, so if there's, you know, one color on the card, it gets one plate for that order. Now, some, some custom orders we print have multiple colors, so they might have two colors on a double-sided card. So two colors on Mm -hmm. each side, 
that would require four separate plates to be made. And then it would also require the cards to be fed through the press four different times for each one of those right. impressions. Um, and they're all fed by hand one at a time. So you can imagine the time that it would take to print an order of two over two double-sided cards. Wow. So and, well, and that's it, a lot of labor. It is. And I mean, it's four times. It's four, it would be four times what a single color one-sided card would be basically. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Plus okay. the paper. Yeah. We print on really nice, like 100% cotton thick paper. For double-sided cards, they have to have really, really thick paper so the impression mm-hmm. doesn't show through to the other side of the card. Um, and, and yeah, so for back, kind of back to photopolymer plates, the reason why we don't use lead type anymore is because you are relegated to the type that you own, right? So you don't have mm-hmm. any font choices other than the type that you might own in your shop. And it's, you know, hard to track down type. It's hard to track down full sets of type to use. It's very time consuming and tedious to set the type for each order. Um, so okay. the cool, cool thing about the plates is that we can make, we can typeset everything on the computer digitally on like Adobe okay. Illustrator. So we can have access to anything, any, any amount of type we can imagine that's digital. Um, and we can also make plates for other types of artwork, like custom logos and things like that. Um, okay. So it's just very flexible, and you wouldn't even close to be able to make money or make a business if you are setting type for all of these orders that come in. Okay. So I found my way on your site to the introduction of your current lineup of presses. Yeah. And and so you've got this 1902. That was your original one. That's right. right. So you got a 1945 looks a little more modern to me. Yeah. It's got, it's pretty got, darn similar. Yeah. It's got the, the straight spokes on the flywheel rather than the mm-hmm. ornate curved spokes. Yeah. Right. So it's saving some money, you know, in 45 world war two. Right. Sure. Okay. But then I'm looking at this 1970 Heidelberg. Yeah. And man, it doesn't look anything like the others. <laughs> no, it looks, I mean, it looks like, I don't know. A, really large lawnmower honestly <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah so yeah how what is and so you've got these chandler and prices and mm-hmm. then you've got this heidelberg yeah yeah the heidelberg windmill is i kind of refer to it as the mercedes of letter presses it's the it's the last letter type of letter press that was ever made um okay. the, they're workhorse presses they're still used today to number do numbering so if, if a conventional print shop has, you know, a bunch of conventional presses and they're printing off normal things, if they need to send a, a, a something they printed through a press to uniquely number them, right? One, two, oh. three, four. Um, gotcha. They use one of these presses because they can put a numbering machine in them that basically increments every for every impression that it takes. So every once in a while, you'll still see one of these old letter presses at a conventional print shop. But these presses are are awesome. I mean, they're they they print in the same way the Chandler and Prices do, with this sort of in, in clamshell um, platen impression method. But um, everything on them is better. The inking system's better. It's got an ink fountain, which can introduce ink into the print job at a consistent pattern. Because if you're doing okay. a big job, the ink will run out and you have to replenish it on the ink plate so it doesn't fade. The ink doesn't fade over the print job. Um, and it also it also sucks the paper up 
manually, you're not hand feeding it, it has suckers on it that suck the paper up. Um, and it's called a windmill because it has these gripper arms that grip the paper and it looks like a windmill as it goes around and operates. Um, and it's got okay. the, it's got the coolest, most therapeutic sound to it when it's printing. Um, on my, on my okay. Instagram, I have some video up there of it printing and it's just got this awesome, um, this awesome sound that everybody loves. And it's, it's just really cool to see while it's, while it's in operation. So this is those rabbit hole questions. So I'm looking at these presses and, and so yeah. on the Chandler and prices, mm-hmm. all three of them have this round disc. Yep. Is that, is that the ink plate? Yep. The round disc on top is the ink plate. Yep. Okay. So if I were at your shop and I was, you wouldn't let me near machinery, but if you, if you did, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't let me, I'd be your, I'd be your L and I claim. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd yeah. be that guy was, you know, <laughs> yeah, we don't um, mention we don't mention L and I. So just yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I meant letter and ink. Yeah, yeah, L&I, yeah. Letter and ink. There you go. There you go. So <laughs> if I, if you said Scott, we need you to print these calling cards. It's a two hundred and fifty card batch. How's that? Yeah. H- how often do I have to ink that to do two hundred and fifty cards? And let's make them simple, not double sided, just a middle of the road average amount of text. Do you mean how often would we have to add ink into the whole system, add ink onto the ink plate? Yes. Um, probably for 250 cards, probably just once, depending on the, the oh, surface okay. area of the ink. Um, okay. Of course, for every impression that's happening, the, ink, the rollers are going up on top of the ink, grabbing ink off the ink plate and striking the form, which is the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so every impression, it's, it's re-inking that plate. But yeah, to okay. replenish the ink probably just once for 250 cards. Just once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking about that. So, and what about like, say on the Heidelberg, then it's got a different inking system. So you don't have, I mean, it just. Exactly. It can yeah. run longer. Yeah. And the, okay. the, the Heidelberg is, I usually print like wedding invitations and things, larger items on that. Not still not poster size, but things that are larger or require like a big solid area of ink. Um, cause it's more efficient in how it distributes ink. Um, so yeah, so you don't have to replenish the ink system as long as you have enough ink in the, what's called the ink fountain in the back that just introduces slowly the ink into the system and you have to dial all that in. There's knobs and, and things you have to, you have to work with. So. So how long does it take you to set up? Okay. So I'm going to order some cards from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's because we've talked about that too. So I'm going to send you kind of, this is what I want it to look like. You're going to put together something for me. You're going to send it back to me. We're going to look at it electronically. I'm going to give you the thumbs up. Yep. You create the plate. Are you create? are these plates created in, in house or do you have to send them out somewhere? We, we have another company make our plates for us because it's a whole okay. different, um, uh, whole different thing. I mean, we'd have to have a whole different setup in order to do that, but yeah. You send the plate out to the vendor. They send the plate back. You've got the plate in hand. We're going to go and print my cards. Yep. We print my cards. They're great. You look at them, you cut them. I'm over. I'm probably way oversimplifying things, but if I ordered my cards on Mm -hmm. the first of the month, how long, how long is the process for, before I get my little box of my shiny box of new letterpress cards. Yeah. So, so the, the two main things we print are the calling cards, which we've talked about this pre-designed simple cards that people can choose from. And then we have custom work. 
Custom art can mm-hmm. be anything. I mean, it can be multicolored jo- um, jobs and, and a bunch of other stuff. So it really depends on what what you order. But assuming that you order just one of these calling cards, our turnaround time hovers right around two weeks. So oh, you put that's not bad at yeah, all. Yeah, you put in your order. Um, we start the process. We start the plate making process, um, and then they go into a queue. And yeah, we, people you, in the U.S. usually get them right around two weeks. That's oh, that's that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, and of of course, now I'm looking at the Heidelberg Press again. There's like a piece of metal on a rod hanging out in front of it, and yeah, without really blo- what is that? Yeah, that's that says original Heidelberg on it. That's a it's okay. basically a safety guard. Um, oh, okay. So um, you when that's turned up, currently as you're looking mm-hmm. at it, it's down. While it's okay. down, while it's down, the press can run. But if you turn it up, it locks the press so it can't pull an impression. Oh. So if you're, because what you're doing, a lot of times you're leaning over and into that press because you're doing, <laughs> you're doing, you're adjusting things, you're adjusting registration, and you don't mm-hmm. want the obviously you don't want the press to actually <laughs> engage and you'll be in a world of hurt. So that's just a safety mechanism. But that that plate on the front is is the iconic look of that Heidelberg windmill. Um, it's a very iconic, okay. iconic thing to that press. Well, let's go back and talk about your custom letterpress stuff. Cause all of a sudden I'm, I, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Walk me through. Yeah. Walk me through. So like you don't do foiling, you don't do duplexing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what is blind impressions? I mean, I know it says inkless. So what is, is that we're just pressing, um, impacting on the paper to give it a. That's right. Yeah. It's a pretty popular, it's a pretty popular look with letterpress printing. And so basically you just don't have any ink on the press. You you take your rollers off. So it's not actually inking the the plate and all the plate is doing is just making an impression into the paper. And usually we make a very deep impression um, for a blind impression. Um, it just creates a really cool, cool look. Um, usually we use it for like a design flourish on the paper, um, rather than, you know, something that needs to be legible. Um, but there's some good examples of that on my Instagram, or if you go to hobanpress.com, there's some, some pretty cool examples of how we've, we'll make, yeah, I'll make a link to to this because this is cool. Yeah. So what else about the company haven't we, what, what else, to, what haven't I asked you that we should talk about with, as far as the company? Yeah, I think, I think one of the things when I was, you know, we, we talked about developing the business before and having a business plan. And I said, I didn't have a business plan, but I, <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed like over time establishing that business plan. And the way I've done that is just by learning what, what I like to do, um, um, what I'm passionate about, what my customers like. And so, it, you know, you, when you think about writing a business plan, you think about just sitting down and sort of hammering it out, right? Looking at statistics, doing all that kind of stuff. Well, I, I kind of view that as I've been sort of developing my business plan and tweaking my business over the last, you know, eight years. Um and one of the things that that I'm I, I've become kind of passionate about is about helping, sort of opening up the world of letterpress printing to a bigger audience. And um, because it, it's pretty, 
pretty expensive compared to like conventional printing. Like when people think of getting business cards, they think of maybe going to Vistaprint where Vistaprint has like a, a, as a deal, you can get a thousand cards for like 10 bucks or something like that. Something ridiculous. As long as you print their logo on the back of the cards or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so you would think I'm competing with a Vistaprint, but I'm not, but we're not really competing with on that level we're, we're kind of like a whole different we appeal to sort of a different crowd but at the same time i wanted i wanted letterpress printing to be available to more people because it's it seems a little like you know old school and maybe a little esoteric and a, a little hard to come by um and so which is one of the reasons i i did hoven cards um mm-hmm. kind of that whole side of the business where we're making these relatively cheap calling cards that are pre-designed you don't have to pay a designer to design them you just hand us the info that you want on them we'll take care of the kerning and the the detail work um Mm -hmm. i i i love doing layout and design work and i always have sort of this idea of designing for myself so whenever i'm designing somebody's card i imagine that i'm designing these for myself and i want to please myself and usually that works, you know, it, it, it makes them happy as well. So, so that's, yeah, that's kind of like half, like half of the business is this sort of this idea to, to get letterpress printing into more people's hands. And that also kind of works well as a business plan because you're opening up your audience more uh, to a lot more people. So, so yeah, that's something I've been kind of working at and, 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 whittling away at for the last eight years. So is it still fun after eight years of doing this? Is it still fun it, on the spot? Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It, there's some things that are monotonous about it, just like there are for any, when you run any, any business. Um, yeah. But it's, it's amazing. I mean, I just, I love it. And what I, what I like about it is obviously the printing aspect and the sort of the artistic aspect but I also like to like fiddle with my com- like this is my company. Like I get to fiddle with it kind of like you're like you're you know, you have a set of Legos and you're just building something yeah. and you can you can tack on something and see if it works and if it doesn't, you can remove it. Um I love um b- because I have a, a software development background, I love that I can take something so old school as letterpress printing and mesh it with something um like with with technology that's happening like right now like i I, i've been able to develop my own website i've been able to like build like a little side app that i can communicate with my customers and i can build my own little internal tools to manage our orders and i love fiddling with stuff like that and uh yeah so yeah it's i just love having my own thing and knowing that everything I do is investing into my own thing instead of maybe a government website or. (laughs) So this is the part where we're going to switch over to when you're not running your business, what do you do for fun? And I'm on your Instagram. So I have two questions just to start with. Mm -hmm. I'm confused because I'm looking at the pictures. Okay. I see a, I see a picture of a woman on a subway wearing a red baseball cap. Yes. I'm going to guess that that's your wife. Yep. Okay. So I see a red New York Yankees cap, mm-hmm. but a few pictures of, after that, 
I see Wrigley Field in an old Cubs cap. <laughs> it's really, it's really important that you don't disappoint me. Where does your allegiance lie here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going to disappoint you or not, but our allegiance really doesn't lie anywhere other than the fact. That's okay. Okay, okay. Other than the fact that yeah. we we were in those cities and we like to soak up as much of the, uh, you know, the city culture as we can. And so we okay. went, we went to Wrigley field where we're in Chicago and, um, we went to Fenway where, when we were in, um, Boston, uh, Boston and, um, and yeah, so we've, we've kind of gathered little, little mementos in all those cities. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you, if you went, if I said, you got to go back to one ballpark, you're going to go to Fenway or are you going to go to Wrigley? Oh my gosh. I think, um, I think I'd probably go to Fenway. Um, they were equally as cool, equally as old school. I mean, we're talking about old school things and having that sort of nostalgia. And even though, I don't know if you can have nostalgia for something where, when you were never alive for in the first place, but, um, just going, going to those places and seeing how different they are from like a modern ballpark. Um, you know, we have Safeco or yeah, it's still called Safeco. T-Mobile or whatever. T-Mobile, yeah. It's safe. Yeah. It's safe. Mariners stadium here in Seattle and it's awesome. It's a, it's a great stadium, but going to see yeah. those stadiums are just, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Safeco is a great modern spin on the iconic stadiums. I have not been to Fenway. Yeah, but I've been to Wrigley a couple of times, and Wrigley's Wrigley's cool. Yeah, as long as you don't say the Yankees, we're still okay. Yeah, All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Question number two, and this is something you say on your bio, so this is what I wanted to come back to. Sure. I see a Volkswagen Westfalia. Yes. I see a, I see a Westie. Yes. You like to fiddle with things. You have a Westie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to want to fiddle with things. Do you, where do you guys like to go in that around Washington? Where's some cool places that that thing's been? Well, I mean, apart from our year long trip across the United States, um, we've, oh, wow. we've, we've had more adventures in my older 78 Westie. So before I had an 89 Vanagon, which we have now uh-huh. before Got that, it. I had a, I had a 78 Westfalia camper and we, um, you know, we going to the beach is always awesome. You know, Cape Disappointment is a place we love. Um, and you know, state parks is always great. Um, I ca- I like to kayak too, so taking it up um, towards Mount St. Helens, um, going to finding so a lake, going to Rife Lake or Mayfield Lake, places like that. So your seventy eight was it kind of a cream color? Yeah, it was a, it was like a beige. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And why did you why did you retire that one? So <laughs> Yeah, hopefully a, that's not a it's hopefully that's not a bad question to yeah, ask you, but, No, you know. it's it's a sad qu- no. <laughs> no, uh, it, yeah, but there's yeah. a story there's a story behind it. Um so a few years ago my wife and I and my daughter who was in 6th grade at the time, we decided to sell our house. Um, and live in our van for a year and travel the United States. And so sold the house. We started our trip in our 78 Volkswagen Westfalia. Um, and just a few weeks into, or probably just a couple weeks into the trip, we realized, oh man, this is going to be 
a very difficult year in a 1978. We've done a fair amount of camping in it, but to live in it is a whole different thing. So while we're while we were in Salt Lake City, um, we actually found a 1989 Vanagon, and we right. purchased it. And my wife's father flew out to Salt Lake City and drove back our 78 to Washington with a friend of his for us. And we continued the trip in the 89. Um, When we got back from our trip about a year later, I ended up selling the 78 just because we didn't have room to keep two Volkswagens in the fleet. So I was sad, but it was time to, to say goodbye to it. Time to move on. Yeah. All right. I'm looking, is your, is this a wood kayak that you have on top of the Westie? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, that? it's a, it's called a pygmy kayak. It's a, it's a, um, it's a company out of Port Townsend who has made wooden okay. kayak kits for years. Um, it's a pretty iconic, um, well-known, um, place there in, in Port Townsend. Um, I think they have a lot of history in that city. And uh, my dad and I bought one of the kits and decided to build a kayak together. And it was, it was incredible. It was great. Oh, that's a cool. So you, you bought the kit, but you built, built the kayak. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have, they cut all the, the, the pieces of wood for you, like laser cut them and they give you Mm -hmm. all the supplies, all the, um, it's, it's a stitch and glue kayak. So you, you stitch it together. You like drill holes in all the seams you stitch it together oh. with wire and then you epoxy all the seams and then you fiberglass it all. And, and it's a whole, it's a whole thing, but um, it's so much fun. And it's a really, really fast, awesome kayak, really light, strong kayak. It's, it's fun. Okay. Are you a fan of coffee? Yes. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of coffee. I've got my Olympia coffee roasters mug here. Okay. I'm drinking out of right now. Is that, is that, is that going to be the answer when I ask where's a good place to get a cup of coffee? Yeah, that's the best place. Um, okay. The best place I've been to in Washington is Olympia coffee roasters there. They've won national awards for their roasts. They're in, they send their baristas to the competitions and um, they've got shops in Tacoma and Seattle now, I think too, mm-hmm. as well as Olympia. So which one of their coffees do you like? I usually try like their their single origins that they rotate through. Um, All right. You know when you go there, their big truck is like their their staple espresso roast. It's gr- I mean it's great if you're going to get a shot. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I always like to change it up and get whatever whatever new. So what were you drinking? That cup you held up. What were you? Now you'll say I'm drinking water. But yeah, <laughs> what was what was in that cup? This is actually Stumptown. I was drinking Stumptown. That's another, uh, that's another solid one. Though. Yeah. Yeah. They make good, yeah. they have good stuff. So, All and right. I used to roast coffee, so I haven't roasted oh, in a really? couple of years, but I had a, I had a, like a two K kilogram drum roaster in my garage. Right. It's like a kind of a sample roaster, they call it. Um, yep. and I was into roasting for quite a while. So I, I love that. And so, so you really do like this hands-on tech. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. And coffee roasting is a, yeah. And then letterpress and then you built your kayak. Awesome. Last question for today. Mm-hmm. If I'm visiting Chehalis Centralia area and it's lunchtime, where's a place I need to go for lunch? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Quincentralia. Check out Bocata Deli. Okay. It's a, it's a Greek-inspired deli with a chef. His name's Darren. He's one of the most talented chefs in the area. Um, he, he also does special dinners and, and, um, and things. I don't, I don't know during the COVID days here, I'm not sure what all is operating, but if, if Bocata is open, check out Bocata in Centralia and Chehalis. There's an awesome, um, sort of, a um, a Scottish bakery called Shona's in, in Chehalis that is amazing. She makes, traditional scottish pies and pastries uh-huh. um so dip in there for for a pie and some coffee and you'll be good it, come on you have to understand that recommending a scottish bakery in chehalis doesn't that's not what i would have expected you know what i mean I, <laughs> yeah. that's not what i that's awesome i love that that's yeah. cool yeah so i'm gonna wrap this up and i'm gonna say thank you but what where can people find you what should they be looking for you get the last word yeah, if you want to check out our, our calling cards we spoke about, hobancards.com, check that out. Uh, we have some custom work on hobanpress.com. Um, and then just our Instagram would probably be the best way to to uh, follow what we do. I've been posting some videos of the presses running and stuff. So Hoban Press on Instagram. Um, okay. And yeah, that's probably the best best three areas. Great. Well, I really appreciate making the time to be here today. And I'm once I stop hitting, once I push the record button and we stop recording, we're going to talk about me ordering some cards. So okay. <laughs> have that conversation. But anyway, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.